are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. It's been said that it takes courage to die. But it's also been said that perhaps it takes more courage to live. If you haven't figured out yet, life is hard. Life is not easy. Life is not for sissies. But life is such a wonderful journey. We read here in Hebrews with Brother Bertram tonight about these that, that uh, escaped the battle and escaped and subdued kingdoms and righteousness and stopped the mouths of lions and quenched the violence with the sto- uh, uh, the violence. But also it said others were tortured. Life is hard. Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had true cool uh, mockings of scourging and bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They literally sawed them in half. They died for their faith. Tonight I want to reacquaint us with the word that I promise you, you will face in your life. These are good days for the North Valley Baptist Church. These are exciting days for our visitors that are watching online. I'm looking at beautiful fire pits around the property lights that are coming on, great crowds, great crowd of cars and lights coming on. And it's a, it's a beautiful sight and the enthusiasm of God's people is wonderful. But I want you to know that you don't get out of life without sorrow. And it seems like as I read history, the older you become in life, the more sorrow you find yourself. You know, you add people to your life. I've said it often, there was one time that was just Jack Treber a single boy, and then he added a marriage to that, to God be the glory, he's been so good to me. Then he added to my wife and I three children and three in-laws and 14 grandkids. Well, you know, at any time through the day, anything could happen. And we've had a few times, we've had a call, we're going to the doctor, we're going to the hospital, there was an accident on, on the freeway in Los Angeles. We want you to pray uh, the birth of a child where our daughter-in-law could not walk for several months thereafter. All those things happen. But you know, life is not easy. Life is easy when you're up on the mountain. We sang tonight. But it's down in the valley sometimes when things go wrong. God reveals himself. How about the man Job? And Job was one of those men. Everyone in life has adversity. Spurgeon said this of himself, he died at age 59. What an amazing man, uh, had great ministry. Died in, I believe, 1899. And Spurgeon said this, he said, as he suffered with gout, similar to arthritis, he said, I've never known a day in my life in these adult years without pain. In addition to that, he had a one, wonderful, beautiful wife, and she gave birth to a child. That birth left her as an invalid the remainder of her life. She could never go hear her husband preach in the great Metropolitan Baptist Tabernacle there in London. She never was able to hear him preach in person, but she was able to write down every message he ever preached. 
And she wrote the notes, and in my library, along with many preachers in the world today, we have the volumes of Spurgeon's, every message he ever preached. And she would take that and transcribe it. Everyone has adversity. And I want you to see tonight, as you turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 12, first of all, the word that I want to leave with us tonight uh, is the word adversity. This morning was determination, and tonight is adversity. And adversity is simply calamity. It's distress. It's misfortune. And I watched those people that I read about this morning, that in those 39 years in America had all this adversity, but for some reason they never gave up. Perhaps it was a day where they realized that they had to anchor themselves in the Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the answer, and I know he's the answer. And I want to see some observations about adversity when you're in distress, when you're in calamity, when you're in sorrow, when your health breaks, whatever it might be. And child of God, it may be before the week is over, we're in the hospital, we have some in hospitals tonight, a young little 20-year-old girl that's lost her arm through infection, nothing to do with COVID, and she's been there for about six weeks now. Family's not allowed to go in, and she suffers tonight. One of our sweet girls in our ministry here, but you know, God knows everything in life. I don't know what it's gonna mean. God bless you, don't mean this sorrowful. It might mean that your husband leaves or your wife leaves, and it might mean that in time your children betray you and break your heart, and it might mean that you come to church by yourself, and it might be that you get old. I'm speaking with a lady now in another state that's older, and she is basically alone in life in these twilight years of her life, and she suffers, and she's in pain, and there's been sorrow. She's already buried a son when he was in his 30s. I want you to know life is not easy. Adversity is for every one of us. We will face it. But I want to, by the grace of God, I want to get to the end of my journey that I finish my course with joy. I don't want to betray God. I don't want to turn on God. I don't want to accuse God falsely. I don't want to turn my back on God. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know this. I know who holds the future. Adversity. Adversity. Paul was facing adversity. And the Bible says in Hebrew, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number 12, chapter 12, verse 10, he said, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, and for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. We find from Paul's life that adversity is for his glory. It's for Christ's glory. I want you to remember it. I want you to say it with me. It's for his glory. It's for his glory. It's for his glory. It's for him. And if I can suffer, if you can suffer for the name of Christ, it'll account joy in our heart that we have, Lord, because it lifts for his name. Exalt his name. Do all, Second, First Corinthians 10, 31, do all to the glory of God. Whatever the call comes this week, whatever the adversity comes this week, Whatever the sorrow that comes this week, may I say, Lord, this is for your glory. May I lift your name. May I exalt your name. May I praise your name. It's all for his glory. First, uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse number 12, that we 
should be the praise of his glory. I was in Bible college and on the brick wall behind the preacher, I saw that every day for four years in Bible college, 1 Corinthians 1, 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted Christ. Colossians 1, 18 in that auditorium, the pulpit, that in all things he, he might have the preeminence. Everything that we do in our adversity of life is for his glory. You're right there. Secondly, it's for our good. It's for his glory. Say it, his glory. Say it together, please. His glory. It's for his glory. It's for my good. And we know, Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to them that love God. I've said it so many times in these 40 some years here at this church, I still to this day don't see any good in a 45 year old mother-in-law dying, going home to be with the Lord and leaving eight kids, my wife and her sister that are here tonight, six brothers, I don't see any good in that. But it's not mine to see today. One day the songwriter said he'll make it plain to me. One day we'll know what God is doing. I do know this of those eight kids, they're all still married to the same mate. I do know this, that all went to church, eight kids and their mates today. I do know this, they still love one another. I do know this, they're all there present at their dad's funeral and glorified God. I want you to know everything that God does in my life is for his glory. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. My Bible says in James 1, 4, but let patience have her perfect, her complete work. God wants to do a work, a perfect work in you, a good work in you, and a good work in me. But it's gonna have to be through adversity. I'm going back over here. You don't need to turn there to the book of Acts in chapter number uh, nine. Paul is trusting Christ in this chapter, and he says, but the Lord said unto me, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear up my name before the Gentiles. For I will show him how great things that he must suffer for my name's sake. Even when Paul was getting saved on that chapter, on that road to Damascus, he was saved. But God said, I want you to know, Ananias, tell him he's going to suffer a lifetime. I think sometimes we think that we're exempt from suffering. I think sometimes we think we're exempt from adversity. I have a list in my prayer journal of three pages, small print, four columns each page of the preachers that were co-laborers with me when I came into the ministry and came to this church 45 years ago. They've all passed on. They're all on the other side. But you know, I was looking at him recently in my prayer journal again this week. Every name that I saw, I knew the adversity in their heart. Every man that I saw lived with a broken heart, a sorrowful heart, disappointment in life, some with their church, some with their deacons, some with their children, some with their marriages, some with their health, some with their finances, some with... God's people that rose up against him and other preachers. 
But you know, everything that God does is for my good. I'm over here in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You may want to turn back there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle Paul said this, verse 23, the latter part, abundant in stripes, above measure, in prison, more frequent, in deaths often. Of the Jews five times received I five, 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered a shipwreck in the night, and in the day I had been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robber, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils by the sea, in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and in thirst, and in fastings often, in cold, in nakedness, and besides all those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. Verse 30, I must needs glory. I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. I want you to know, friend, today, that all that you suffer in adversity is for his glory. And all that you suffer is for our good. That's why Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, in the day of adversity, consider. God, what are you trying to do with me? And I say that not accusatory. You don't ask God, what are you doing to me? No, he said, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? How are you trying to build me? What is it in my life you're trying to shape and trying to purge? The Bible says, if thou faint in the day of thy adversity, thy strength is small. You can't faint. You can't quit. You're going to feel like it when your marriage falls apart, when your home falls apart, when your son breaks your heart, when your daughter breaks your heart, when your in-laws break your heart, when your children break your heart, when your grandchildren break your heart, when the doctor tells you you have some incurable disease, when things are tough and things are hard and sorrowful and the deacons, you're listening tonight, pastor, and the deacons come and they fight you and they war against you and they cause rebellion in the church. I want you to know it is for your good. God is shaping you. I think of the man Job. A man that had all adversity in life. A man that lost his possessions. He lost his lands. He lost his crops. He lost his cattle. He lost his sheep. He lost all of his children, 10, and their mates in their houses. He lost his wife and the fact that she said, why don't you just curse God and die? He lost his health. He was broken down with boils and he sat down with a poshord like a piece of clay that would harden and he began to scratch on his body like a piece of glass. And in those days, it's a very difficult time and he was in sorrow and he was in dust and three friends came and they began to criticize him and said, it's because of your pride that you're in this circumstance and he couldn't understand it. And he said, oh, my life is so corrupt. I'm full of trouble. I want to die. I, 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 I pity, I, I, I regret the day I was born. Oh, what an awful thing. But you know, when you get to chapter 40 and God's speaking, and chapter 41 when God is speaking, and chapter 42 when he cries out, says, I know that thou canst do anything and everything. It's for your good. It's for your good. Pastoring people has been the joy of my life. And I've had the joy of watching people 
going things that I don't through things I don't do not understand, and going through sorrows, and going through disappointment. When the things you gave your life to fell apart, you're not the first to be acquainted with sorrow, grief, and pain. But the master answers, "There's sunshine after rain. Hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning." And you know, in the latter end, God blessed him more than he was in the beginning. Yes, he had sorrow, but it was for our good. It's for his glory. I close tonight, and not only is it for his glory, and not only is it for our good, but it's for the growth of others. It's always for the growth of others. One, it's for his glory. Two, it's for my good. And three, it's for the growth of others. I can think of times and I won't even begin to name the preachers right now, that I spent time with this great, great preacher, one of America's most well-known preachers. I was preaching with the night, the night when his dream of his life fell apart. We were in a distant state on a Monday night. He didn't share the phone call with me, but the buzz of the air, people knew what was going on. I stood and preached, and then he stood and preached. I, I, I studied the man's life. I could tell his heart was shattered. But he stood and preached. And in life, it seemed like everything in those latter days of his life was nothing but sadness and sorrow. I think of a man that I stopped by and I spent some time with him, one of America's greatest preachers and largest ministries in the nation. And I talked to him and visit with him. I loved him so much. He was so good to me. He preached here many times. I think of how his children broke his heart as they became adults and as they had already raised their kids and then turned into great compromisers. Broke his heart. I think of what the man who was known as the Prince of Preachers in America, one of the greatest preachers, and I think of how his life was shattered. I remember the day when his son shattered his heart. I remember the day as an adult when he broke his dad's heart. That man loved me so much. I can think of the days Wally Davis and I, we spent time with him as we opened Golden State Baptist Institute before we opened Golden State Baptist College. What a great, great man. I think you think of a great, great man on the eastern seaboard that his whole life was torn away from him. Everything sad that could imagine. You'd know the names of all these men. But you know every one of them, every one of them finished strong. Their surroundings were weak. Their surroundings were sorrowful. Their surroundings were hurtful. But may I tell you one thing that always keeps me going is men like that and people of this generation I saw this morning for 40 years, they suffered, they went through sorrow, but they finished their course with joy. Their sorrow was for my good. Those preachers, I could go on and on and on with the preachers. I have hundreds of preachers on my list that are home with the Lord. And as I look at their life, they all went out where a lot of the things they gave their life to, it all fell apart. But they kept preaching with fire, with enthusiasm, with zeal. I remember the night Dr. Lee Robertson was here on a Wednesday night. His wife was here. And he said, I'd like all the ushers to give everybody. I think, Brother Sam Fanera, you collected these things, if I'm not mistaken. He said, I'd like all of you to take the three by five card. 
I'd like you to put your name on it. I'd like you to put every prayer request that you would like my wife and I to pray for. Tonight, before we pillow our head, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. The place was packed. I believe our auditorium over there would seat about 11 to 1,200. And I said, uh, on that Wednesday night, it was just packed and chairs and standing room only for our church. The invitation, he said, bring those and put them on the Lord's table. And I'll never forget, I saw all those prayer requests. He said, we'll be up a while tonight. You're such a godly man. But he said, I promise you will pray for every one of these requests. May I tell you something? The man had sorrow in his life. His testimony has helped me so much. I want to finish my course. It might be with tears. It might be with sorrows. It might be with disappointment. Dr. J. Frank Norris died after I was one years of age, right when I was turning one. He pastored America's two largest churches. He went to the Orient, I believe it was the Orient, where he went to preach. While he was preaching, his assistant pastor led a revolt in the church, the two largest churches in America, and he began to work at Fort Worth and stirred up. Bible college faculty had already changed and they were fighting Dr. Norris. They wanted a different philosophy. They were working on him. It's all documented. You can read it for yourself. And he was fighting his own staff, trying to keep that thing right that God's hand of blessing was upon. One faculty member and a staff member went to J. Frank Norris's son and said, let's start another church. They took on one Sunday 500 members out of his dad's church. He came home, 500 members had left. You can read it for yourself. It's all documented. I'm not telling you something that's not known. He started another church. J. Frank Norris got back home. His heart was broken. But he said, son, I'll do anything I can to help you. They began with his church offering. He voted the church to help support his son in establishing a new church. I want you to know life is not easy, but it's for his glory. It's for my good. And it is for the growth of others. What would we do without the song written by a very wonderful preacher? He died at age 38, drowned in Ohio in a train accident over a bridge. Before he did, he talked to his great dear friend, a very successful lawyer. The lawyer was very rich in Chicago. He had real estate holdings everywhere. And yet the Chicago fire swept through and destroyed all of his properties. He said to his precious wife, honey, we've lost our son and now we've lost our properties and we've lost much of our possessions. I want to send you to England and you know the story. The last moment he could not go, he says, go ahead with the four girls and I'll catch up with you. There's an accident out at sea, a collision. That ship collided with this ship where his wife and four girls were upon. Those four girls were drowned at sea that night. The wife was taken by another vessel and eventually reached the shore within 10 days. When she got there, she cabled back to her husband in Chicago with these words too, saved 
alone. Saved alone. When Mr. Spafford was passing by on the boat, the ship, the shipmaster said, Mr. Spafford, we believe we're about in the area where your four girls have drowned. We wanted to let you know. Philip Bliss wrote the song from his friend, Mr. Spafford, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That song over 100 years old has been for my growth. If a man can keep going in the midst of sorrow like that, I should not give up. The trio sang this evening is so beautiful. I love that song till the storm passes by. You've heard me say it so much, I won't tell the entire story, but the man who wrote that just two, three, four years ago passed away. His life was full of a lot of sorrows and disappointment. They wrote this song, in the dark of the midnight, have I all fit hit my face? Well, the storm howls above me and there's no hiding place till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more. That song has been used in churches today, but someone had to go through suffering because I am growing as a result of that song. Fanny Crosby with her blind sight wrote, never give up, never give up, never be sad nor despondent, never give up. I cannot give up. If a blind lady said, I'll not give up, then I must not give up. I want you to know that Daniel suffered and Moses suffered and Joseph suffered and our Lord suffered. Life is full of suffering. I think of that song, that, that great missionary, the father of modern day missionary, missions, really, William Carey. William Carey had a wife by the name of Dorothy. And Dorothy rebelled against her husband. She said, I do not want to go to reach those people in the Orient for Christ. And he pled with her. He said, God called me, honey. I must go. She went with them. She struggled with missions, did not want to go. She did not enjoy it. She attacked them. She was against them. She was against the work. And then suddenly, her precious son that had been bringing her so much comfort in her life at age five died on the mission field. She spent the remainder of her marriage not going to church, never listening to her husband preach, never encouraging him. They said literally she went out of her mind and could never again carry a conversation on with her husband. But I tell you what, friend, we know modern day missions today because of a man by the name of William Carey. Whitfield was a man that was four foot 10 inches tall. He was a very weak man, very thin man, but he shook America with the great awakening. What a powerful man. His wife was much stronger than he. His wife could literally, if we were gonna have them fight, could beat him up. They said, you go to his house at times, she would grab him by the hair and would be dragging that great preacher around the house, swearing at him. But we had a great revival in America from a man that lived a lonely, sad life.
I close tonight as I'm thinking about all your adversity is for his glory. And all your adversity is for your good. And all of this adversity we fight is for the growth of others that our life can have such a testimony. You know, before I give you that last thought, I've had more preachers, I believe this might be true on a daily basis, have contacted me through all these 31 weeks now we've been shut down. And I've said this, Brother Treber has yet many yesterday on the phone. Your church and your people, and I speak to you right from my heart because you're on the parking lot. You're in your cars. They're in their church buildings. And without fail, every single one says, your church has been such an inspiration to my life. This lady that I've never met in my life in the East Coast, she said, your church is such a blessing. I want to give $15,000 to help you with your college and your ministry at this time. I want you to know that your testimony is spoken of throughout the whole world. The entire world, people know about it. That song that was written was written in adversity. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Abraham Lincoln, I have more books on his presidency than any other president in my library. Abraham Lincoln was our 16th president. Abraham Lincoln was from a poor home, born in a log cabin. He met a girl by the name of Mary. She was from a rich family in Lexington, Kentucky. Mary was a wealthy girl. She never had to work for anything, really. Everything was provided for her. Her education was provided. She was speaking as a teenager, not only English, but Latin. She had a very good education. Her husband, Abraham, had a very poor education, self-educated. She was from high society. He was from the woods. Totally different people. She was a beautiful woman, they say, though I look at her picture, and I don't know, I guess it's in the eyes of the beholder. I don't see her as beautiful, but she, they say, was a very beautiful lady. They got married. She never really adapted to his life. You know the story of how all the failures in life. He's failed in grocery business. He failed in elections. He failed in the legislature. He failed in law practice. Everything he tried, he failed. Then one day he was elected president of the United States. As the president, he immediately found himself in the Civil War. If you see pictures and drawings of him before the war and the right before his assassination, he aged terribly. He won his first election and now was into the second term. When John Wilkes Booth shot him and killed him that night, they had such an awful marriage. Mary had four boys. Her first boy died at age four. Her second boy died at age 12. Her third boy died at age 18. It was too much for her. She was overwhelmed with grief and sorrow. They said she turned to Satanism. She went to the second floor of the White House and closed the drapes 
and made sure that every drape was black. She continued to dress in black. She had seances. Instead of turning to God, she turned to self and Satan. He tried to, tried to make her happy every way he could. He was busy with the war. They said that during his president that you could come into the second floor. The doors were open at any time you could knock on his residence. He'd go down to the Oval Office where he had and people were waiting to see him. He never had a free moment. His life was worn out. He loved the North. He loved the South. He loved the people that he was the president. He went home only to find a wife that was very angry and very upset and very depressed. And I think you know this story for I've told it before that the day he was shot, he came home and it seemed like it was a beautiful, beautiful day. And he said, Mary, let's go to a carriage ride in the country. And she said, let's do that, Abraham. And they went to the carriage ride and they had such a beautiful afternoon. And he said, what if we go to Ford's Theater tonight? There's a play there. And she said, let's go. And first time she really ventured out. And that night her husband was shot and killed in her very presence. He lived a very lonely life. But this nation owes so very much to Abraham Lincoln. It was his sorrow, it was his adversity that's caused us to grow as individuals. Tonight it's adversity time for many of you, I know that. And perhaps you're in the midst of adversity or you're coming out of some adversity or you're headed toward an adversity. A struggle, a battle of your life. It's not what you want. A battle that will keep you up at night. A battle that will cause you to weep. A battle that will cause you to fret if you're not careful and worry and be fearful. I understand that. We're just human. But everything of my adversity and your adversity is for His glory. And everything adversity in your life and my life is for our good. And everything that we face in adversity is for the growth of others. I watched my mother and dad when they went through a very difficult time in 1959 and 60 and 61. When they basically lost the little things they had, they didn't have much. I watched my parents the first half of my life. We did all right. We had things. In my last nine years at home, I watched when we lost everything. It was for my growth. My life pivots from those days when I saw my mother and dad. I'd heard them. When I finally got in the house, I slept on the patio, on the screen porch for over a year, year and a half. I slept in the downstairs in the living room for a year, year and a half. My mother would make up a cot every night, took the little cot out of the closet. I'd hear my parents pray. Many times I could hear my mother weeping, but never in front of us. But as they prayed in their room at night, I could hear her weeping. My dad was always a cheerful man. He got us up every morning with a song. Most of the time, I did not know the difficulty we were facing. When we rented two rooms in a rooming house, not a kitchen, not a living room, not a dining room, but two rooms, two bedrooms, I'll never forget, as we rented those from Marge Matthews, what a wonderful privilege that was to rent those rooms. I did not realize we'd be poor. 
mother would say, Jack, there was a corner house. Go down the street. Here's some money and get some milk. And I'd put the, she'd put the milk on the ledge outside the window in the cool of the night. And the next morning, we'd cross the street and go to the park. And we had cereal using that milk that I purchased the night before. I didn't realize we were poor. We went to Oak Park every night in Stockton, California. There, my mother would use a grill that was in the park, and we would grill food for many, many nights until Marge Matthews, months later, said, Emily, why aren't you eating in the kitchen? She said, I didn't realize we had that permission. Do you realize that was all for my growth? God was forming something in my heart. I watched a mother and dad and later figured out how poor we must have been, how difficult it must have been. Mother and dad, there are little eyes that are watching you. Our father tonight, I've preached long enough. These people have been very patient. And I wonder about who's going through adversity this evening. Who's going through difficulty this evening. I wonder what mother will be broken hearted this week. Our father. And we'll have to drag ourselves to church perhaps. Eventually by ourselves. But God may we never give up. May we never give in. For to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And I can do all things through Christ. Which strengthens me. Lord there is adversity in life. Everyone faces it. And I pray that as we face it, we face it as a Christian. Lord, that we might bring glory to you and good to us and growth to others. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. There's no way to come forward. But I'd ask you as the invitation is being played. Brother Galvon plays. I wonder if you could just say right there, God, whatever it is, whatever it is in my life, I want to bring glory to you. And I know that nothing happens to me on accident. It's for my good. And I want it to be for the growth of others. Parents, you will go through adversity as generally for your children. As generally for your grandchildren. There will be sorrow. Does Jesus care when my heart is pain too deeply for myrrh and song and my heart sad heart aches till it nearly breaks? Is it not? Does he care? Oh yes, he cares. You're going to find God in the midnight hour. It might be night after night. You cannot find him. But one night in the midnight hour, you're going to find him. No, oh, I'll tell you what. He'll be a friend that sticketh closer to the brother. It's amazing you're playing. Leave it there. I was singing that, Brother Galvon, in my study tonight. The old black janitor who became the pastor of the church that grew the church to over 4,000 people wrote that song. If the world from you withhold of its silver and its gold and you have to get along with meager care, just remembering God's word, how he feeds a little bird, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Lord, Lord I love these people. Oh, I tell you, I'm so grateful for the privilege to be their friend. I'm so grateful to be their pastor. I'm so grateful for the great North Valley Baptist Church and how their faith is spoken of throughout the whole world, as the Bible says. I'm thankful for their faith. I thank you for their endurance. I'm thankful for their trust. And tonight, as we will, in our lives, before you come again, face adversity. May we face it like Christians, and may we never give up on thee. Lord, I thank you that you love us. Bless our dear people this week. I think of Sister Katie, who, Lord willing, this week will, by your grace, 
perhaps this week give birth to a baby, give them a healthy firstborn child. And if you should tarry, God, I pray that you give them many children that they might raise another generation to love you and to serve you. Bless these dear, dear people. Lord, there's a few that need jobs. Give them jobs. There are some that need finances. Give them finances. Lord, there are some here tonight that need green cards. They're here legally, but they're waiting for the opportunity to work and to make money. I pray that you give that to them. I pray that you help the sick and the weak and the feeble in our church. I pray that you would dry up this COVID in our nation and the world. I pray it'd be a great week on Tuesday as we move from one zone to another and that soon we can have classrooms open and our nurseries open and our children in classes. This is getting cold and I pray that God, great things would happen this week. Meet the deficit need in the Christian school and the college. And God, I pray as we get Bibles out this week, it'd be a wonderful week of delivering the Word of God. Thank you for those that called in in the last three weeks that got, became saved by going to the website, asking for salvation that led them to our web. Bless these dear people, we pray in Jesus' precious name and for his glory, for your glory, amen. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.